And so when we're able to connect our body with our mind, we're much more clear on what's that we're okay in this moment. And then we can be curious about what might be still alive from some old hurts. And through that, we can move through the, the difficulty in an easier way. You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hi there. Today on Wisdom for Wellbeing, I'm joined by Dr. Melissa J. Dr. J is a registered psychologist and director of Canmore Counseling and the Trauma-Informed Yoga Psychology School. From an attachment-based trauma-informed lens, she is passionate about supporting growth through connection, mindfulness, and self-awareness. Psychology and yoga have changed her life, and she is passionate about sharing her learnings, curiosities, and practices with professionals and practitioners who are interested in increasing their understanding of how trauma-informed yoga can support mind-body-spirit integration and healthy relationships with both ourselves and others. In today's interview, we'll learn a little bit more about yoga. Just have a think of what yoga means to you. A lot of people think that it means you need to be wearing fancy clothing and doing dynamic movements. And this is certainly one element that some individuals can practice as yoga, but there's actually more to it than that. Dr. J explains how she personally started practicing yoga as a very busy lady and found that it supported her to slow down and connect in with the things that nourished her, learning to say no and yes more appropriately. Dr. J describes yoga as a full life practice, and she explains how after she completed her yoga teacher training, she recognized there was a lot of scope to integrate her wisdom as a psychologist with her yoga teaching. She's a leader in this field, and no doubt you'll feel her passion. In today's interview, we do talk a bit about something called the eight limbs of yoga, and I don't know if we ever really defined it, so I just wanted to take a moment before we get started in the interview itself to give you an overview. Basically, these eight limbs of yoga are recommended lifestyle choices or practices. So number one, the ethical life choices, it's about living in harmony with yourself and your community. Personal observances, or what you might call personal ethics, are about taking good care of your body and your mind. Number three, the posture practice is about finding ease in your body so that you can do the things you want to do in your everyday life. So historically, this has been around being physically able to sit and do a meditation practice. Number four, the breathing exercises can be used to support your conscious engagement in more effective breathing. So when you're feeling overwhelmed or also using these breathing exercises when you're underwhelmed or feeling flat. Number five, the scent withdrawal is about developing your mental focus. So something that a lot of us recognize is quite important in our hyper-stimulated world, you know, of social media, traffic jams, all of these deadlines that are racing through our mind at various points in time and the like. Number six is about concentration practices, so about you being able to simply focus on one thing. It might be something external, a sound, a thought, or even physical and emotional experiences that could be arising in your body. 
Number seven is about meditation. So this practice of being able to access a transcendental part of yourself, a state where you can watch your mind, so to speak. And then number eight is around absorption, which is sometimes translated as enlightenment. But what I like to think of it as is entering a state of flow, a place of timelessness and ease that we know is very good for us psychologically. So that's my personal take on the eight limbs of yoga. Hopefully it's helpful and it sets you up for a bit of context as we dive into Dr. J's wisdom today. Melissa, thank you so much for being on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast today. It is such a delight to get the chance to talk to you and hear about all the wonderful things you're doing integrating yoga and psychology and you know general well-being. Oh, thanks, Caitlin. I'm so happy to be here with you. Yeah, so I guess to start things off, would you mind just sharing a little bit about the work that you're doing? Because what, what drew me to connecting with you was this integration of psychology and yoga and the fact that you are a registered psychologist. So maybe just share a little bit with the audience about who you are, what you're doing, and what this amazing work is. Yeah, well, I'm so happy to be here with you and with all of your amazing listeners and happy to yeah, just give you a little rundown of all, all the parts that are me and how I've integrated those things. So yeah, I'm a registered psychologist and live in Canmore, Alberta, here in Canada. And I, I kind of, I embrace the fact that I'm a bit of a nerd. So I'm a psychology <laughs> nerd, but I also have like really, really been so excited about all the learning that I've been doing as a yoga student and, and as a yoga teacher. And throughout my yoga teacher trainings and throughout my PhD work, I was always kind of like wondering, how do I really fuse these together? And it felt like at the end of my 300 hour yoga teacher training, there were some questions about where do you see yourself in five years? And and it was in that moment when we had just done a beautiful meditation that it just became so clear that I was going to offer a trauma-informed yoga psychology school for helping professionals. So people like me who, there were so many beautiful aspects of my yoga teacher trainings, and yet there were parts of them that maybe didn't address the things that I knew would be really important in integrating into my psychology practice. And so I guess, in short, I've kind of created yoga teacher trainings kind of infusing all the things that I really wished that I had in my own yoga teacher trainings and able to kind of weave in all the things that I love learning about and teaching about in in my psychology work. That's amazing. So you had a wonderful meditation in your teacher training where you were reflecting on where you saw yourself in five years. And at that point in time, you really started to conceptualized to see this integration of the wisdom that you had gained in the teacher training in your yoga practice with all the knowledge you had as a psychologist and having gone through you know your PhD and significant studies to get to this place in your profession mm -hmm. you realized that there was a bit of a gap because some professionals wouldn't have this this shared knowledge this integrated knowledge mm -hmm. absolutely yeah, it feels like even when, when I reflect back on that meditation and the, those self-reflection questions, one of the things that I had written was 
that I would start this school for 2020. And <laughs> I know this will error in 2020. And, and, yet, <laughs> and yet the school actually was launched in 2019. And it just, why I think that's important is that it felt like just such a clear vision. And because it was so clear to me and it felt so aligned with all the things that I had been learning and felt really excited about that it just it felt like every door kind of opened and I felt like I was on the right track. So it felt like I was being led and it was easy. So it, it came together much quicker than I, I would have thought it would. That's a really important point. And I think that's really nice for the listeners to have the opportunity to dive into a little bit more about what it was that supported you in this vision and this clarity, because um, it's a general audience listening. And maybe there's some skills in there that they might be able to take away, you know, going into their new year that might help them get in contact mm-hmm. with their vision and what they're hoping for their future. Would you, would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Absolutely. So just a little bit more about me on the personal side. What led me into into yoga in the first place was I am a, a busy gal. Like I feel like my <laughs> brain is always going, always full of ideas, always saying yes to things. And yet when I was working in a school division over 10 years ago, I had the opportunity to do yoga after school. There was a yoga teacher named Melissa who came in and offered yoga three days a week. And I said, sure, I've never really tried this. And when I did, I was like, huh, (laughs) what happened? Like I was able to kind of slow myself down, notice my breath and really start to feel something different. And so over the years, my practice was kind of sporadic at times. And, and when we moved to Canmore here in the mountains, it really became something that was so vital. And a part of my yoga practice is meditation and and really it's allowed me to really tune into where I'm at in any given moment to notice the thoughts that I'm having and most importantly to know when I need to say yes and and I'm excited to say yes and know when I am kindly (laughs) meant to say no. That's really (laughs) important isn't it? Yeah so I don't know about you if you found that too that as an academic it can be we can live in our heads and yoga really allows us to learn to connect with our bodies. Yeah. And what you mentioned, you know, that someone at the school was teaching a yoga class, you know, lots of people might be familiar with yoga, but it might not have necessarily been something that they've jumped into yet. And the fact that you were really brave in that moment of going, you know, I'll give it a go. Let's see what happens that you allowed yourself to almost, you know, be a scientist in another context (laughs) to sort of go in with an open mind and give yourself that opportunity to, you know, at the end, it sounds like you went, huh, something did happen there that for you, that Mm -hmm. was a beneficial practice. And it allowed that busy mind you talked about to perhaps slow down. And over time, it sounds like it's created a bit of space between that immediate urge to say yes, and being able to reflect on what's going to serve you in a moment to be able to give an honest, like truly heartfelt yes, or be able to say, oh, like, that's not right for me in this moment in a kind way to both you and the person that or the request that you might be responding to. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. That's such a gift that you've given yourself through through this practice. Yeah, and I guess one other thing that's been a major benefit to me is I can remember like for since I was about 16 or maybe even a little bit younger, I I struggled with insomnia, like really difficult difficulty sleeping and staying asleep and 
And one year, my husband and Mike and I were down south. We were in San Diego and in Carlsbad, the Chopra Center is situated and they might be moving locations now. But um, we were at the Chopra Center, which was really beautiful. And the Cho- Deepak and Oprah's meditation experience had started that day. So it was like, just like oh, <laughs> the wow. universe kind of bringing everything together. <laughs> That's amazing. So, <laughs> I remember sitting like on the side of the pool, which like, this sounds just like a fabulous day, which is not like a typical day for me, but it just felt like everything aligned. And I was able to really tap into a sense of meditation where my brain really did still. And it's with the support of Deepak and Oprah and the meditation experience that they offer online. It was that that allowed me to really learn how to meditate because they, they do such a good job of guiding a practice for 21 days and I would do it right before bed and I learned how to sleep and I'm a very good sleeper now and I don't struggle with insomnia unless there's a lot of stress happening in my life. That's, that's really interesting because sleep is a a challenge for a lot of people, you know, particularly at busy times and when there's a lot going on and things aren't feeling particularly great, which of course, as you know, creates that spiral effect when we don't sleep well, we don't feel our best selves the next day and it's harder to meet the challenges and demands, which can add further stress and might impact our sleep further. Mm -hmm. That meditation sounds, sounds brilliant. Would you mind, because you did mention that meditation was very much a part of your yoga practice. Would you mind talking a little bit about what meditation is for you and maybe guiding how how someone might start this process if it's something that sounds really foreign to them right now? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, yeah, just to deconstruct the idea of what maybe if, if someone's new to yoga, I think what's really important is to kind of be curious about what yoga might mean to you. So I, I think what what's important is that we often see the asana, the postures as yoga and, and what I, I try and integrate into the teachings as much as possible, whether I'm teaching at a studio or we're offering yoga teacher training that we are looking at all eight limbs. There's actually eight limbs to yoga and one limb is meditation. One limb is asana, the postures, but then there's six other limbs and, and that it's really this practice towards a sense of enlightenment or self-awareness. And, and when we're practicing yoga, it's really a practice of life. So what we're doing on our mat is really a practice of how we're integrating those, those practices in our other parts of life. So for meditation, I, I just notice that when I start to connect to my breath and let go of any desire to do or make anything happen, I just allow myself to tap into my breath And maybe I could just lead us through a little self-contemplation meditation right now. I think that sounds delicious. Yeah. Okay, beautiful. So yeah, I would just invite everyone listening to just find a comfortable seat. And if you feel like you want to lay down, that's welcome too. And just start to notice your breath as it is. Start to notice the quality of your breath. Does it feel smooth or jagged, sticky or something else? Does it feel kind of shallow or deep, somewhere in between? Does it feel like your breath is starting more in your chest or in your belly? 
bring awareness to your belly. Notice if you can just soften your belly, relax. Not something that we do often throughout the day. And from your belly, taking a nice big inhale, allowing the breath to just fill you so full up. And as you exhale, maybe opening your mouth and letting out a nice gentle sigh. <sighs> just notice that breath. Big inhales, big exhales. And so bring, to, bring into your mind's eye, almost like a movie screen, the screen of your consciousness. And without creating any stories or meaning about what might be happening within you in this moment, Imagine that you can kind of just take a step back, almost as if you're kind of witnessing or observing what's happening within your mind's eye, whether it's thoughts or images or memories or something else, just noticing. And I'll guide us through a contemplative meditation. So I'll just pose four questions. And all you need to do is notice what arises while staying connected to your breath. Nice big inhale. Nice big exhale. First question. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Just noting, noticing whatever arises. Letting that go. And the next question. What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? Releasing that question. What is my purpose? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? Releasing that. And the final question, to just notice what you notice. What am I grateful for?
What am I grateful for? What am I grateful for? Letting that go. Take a nice big inhale through your nose. Open your mouth, let out a nice big sigh. Feel and notice what you notice. Maybe some sensations in your body. Notice how you feel, mind, body, and spirit. Gently, maybe shaking your fingers out a little bit. Maybe adding a little movement to your shoulders, your neck, your head. And then gently opening your eyes if they've been closed. And thanks for sharing that short little meditation with me that was beautiful melissa that was such a nice opportunity to connect in and to you know it was my experience to allow myself that space you know in in the busyness that is life even you know there's different forms of meditation and mindfulness practice and it was really nice to have the space to connect in on you know, heartfelt desire, like what, what is resonating and who, who I am in this moment and what that, what that means for me. Mm. So thank you for offering up that generous gift for myself and for the listeners. My pleasure. Thanks for being open <laughs> to it. <laughs> and what also kind of is capturing my mind about it is this is, this is work that might relate to the therapeutic work you do, the psychology you do, because a lot of those questions are things that when unanswered and when feeling at ill ease can cause a degree of psychological distress and confusion that, you know, plays out in various ways as we try and cope with, with this experience that is life. So would you mind maybe talking a little bit about how yoga might inform the work that you do as a therapist, as a psychologist, because it's, a real depth of wisdom that you're able to bring in, I imagine, to, to a, a session. What I notice um, in sessions with people who are often coming to talk because there's been various difficulties and at times maybe, yeah, they're just checking in and things are going fairly well. And at times maybe there's some triggers or traumas that are arising and whether they've been recent or past, there's a lot that's still kind of alive within the body that's very difficult to make sense of. And so what I, how I find yoga and mind-body-spirit integration to be supportive in session is by allowing myself and the client to really tap into feeling really grounded in their body in the moment so that they can start to tap into what's happening and arising. And so when I say that, it's really about sensation. So what's happening if they're saying, oh, you know, I'm feeling really frustrated, I'm always curious about well, what might be driving that frustration. Well, you know, maybe it's hurt or sadness. And then where are you feeling that sadness or that hurt in your body? And they'll often point towards their chest or their stomach and their throat. 
and really being able to connect with what's what's feelable in their body and that's the the concept of interoception which is a really big <laughs> nerdy word <laughs> that's really about getting allowing our physiology to get in sync with our our neurology and so when we're able to connect our body with our mind we're much more clear on what's that we're okay in this moment and then we can be curious about what might be still alive from some old hurts and through that we can move through the the difficulty in an easier way it's really beautifully mentioned the physiology and sync with the neurology um and i guess just maybe to to parch that out a little bit what mm -hmm. what would physiology entail what would that mean and what would neurology entail and and what's the connection mm -hmm. so one of the forms of therapy that i use is emdr which is a an acronym for a really long <laughs> type yeah. of therapy eye movement desensitization reprocessing and and for those who don't know what EMDR is, they would probably change the name now if they could, but there's been a lot of research on it, so they don't want to change it. What I think what Francine Shapiro, who created it, would call it now is reprocessing therapy. Because what happens is when we have a trauma, whether it's a big trauma, like a big T trauma is something that is like a, a, a very difficult one-time situation where you felt like your life was at risk and it probably was or there was a near-death experience or a witness of someone who may have passed or if there's little t traumas where there's been recurrent kind of difficulties inter interracially interrelationships and and within ourselves where we just feel like we're not enough or we feel like we've been bullied lots of different things can lead to feeling the effects of trauma and what can happen is when those things happen, it gets kind of stuck in our brain. And that's the neurology. It's like our, our brain kind of gets locked in a certain way. So if anything reminds us of that really difficult experience or experiences, it will always come back to like, if that first time it happened, maybe our body tensed up. <gasps> the physiology response was, I am in freeze mode, I can't move, or maybe it was flight mode, I got to get out of here, keep myself safe, or maybe it was fight. It's like, uh-uh, you don't get to do this to me. I'm going to fight up against this. Either way, it's like, it's your nervous system kind of jumping into, into action to keep you safe. And it's a survival tactic. And, and what the neurology does, though, is it gets locked in that moment. So if anything happens in the future that reminds you of that experience, <gasps> your body will likely respond in the very same way and so what emdr can help with is help us move through that experience by reprocessing that memory to help your body connect back to the here and now where you are safe and you're no longer in that place where you need to be in fight flight or freeze mode and and also yoga can be a helpful way for us to get connecting to our our physiology noticing what's happening in our body so that we can be a little more curious but what happens when our mind, our neurology gets kind of triggered and how our body responds. So yoga really helps us start to notice our body and mind and the integration that it has a little more subtly. 
So like what you described earlier, that it kind of bought you this space to start to notice in your case, you gave the example of, you know, being a continuous sort of yes, go, go, go person gave you a little bit of space to notice when something might not be the best thing for you and the direction you're hoping to move forward that might be in alignment with um, that contemplation we did in a way, the answers that someone might have experienced for themselves in regards to where they might be going in their future and with their hearts. Yeah. So here you're mentioning that it gives you a little bit of awareness of what is happening in your body. And maybe in regards to the neurology, you know, whether it's EMDR or uh, a yoga practice and specifically what you offer is trauma informed, you know, yoga practice. So it's safe for people who might have these experiences, these histories that it might offer an opportunity to rewire that neurology to change some of those pathways and buy someone different ways of responding that might be more effective, more in line with where they're hoping to go in their future and might give them the opportunity to feel more connected, more safe in their bodies. Mm -hmm. Well said. Yeah. It's such a gift. And I guess just, you know, to link it back to what you're offering with the trauma-informed yoga school, I have no doubt that the listeners would be interested in just knowing a little bit about what you are offering now, because it's not just for psychologists, it's for psychologists as well as helping professionals generally. And it might also mm -hmm. offer listeners who may not be in this field, but might be seeking are seeking, pardon me, to link in with a yoga practice who might be nervous for whatever reason to know what they could look for in regards to a teacher that might have the skill set to support them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I'll start by just sharing a bit about the trauma-informed yoga psychology school. Um, it, it, it really is an invitation for anyone who is a helper by nature so yes, psychologists, social workers, teachers, um, teaching assistants, students, like really I want it to be broad that it calls on those who really are in a helping role. And when you and said helper by nature, sorry to jump in, but a lot yeah. of people who might be holding trauma, it could be um, vicarious trauma, which just means something that's been shared, you know, that you've experienced, someone has shared with you and, and the helper person in a group would be holding a lot as well. So I imagine there's a lot of people who are helper by nature who would yeah. practice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's really an opportunity for those people who are helpers by nature and yeah, probably are tend to be open and there and available to those who maybe need a listening ear or need support along the way to have some skills and practices to support themselves first and foremost in staying connected mind body spirit so they can stay really present and and be really effective in how they're supporting and also empowering those who maybe feel like they're they're caught in a place of not having a lot of choice and that's the the essence of what trauma is trauma is the experience of having no choice and so through this yoga teacher training we're really all about choice and so it's not a a standardized yoga teacher training where um, we're following one specific lineage. Instead, um, the, the hope is that everyone will walk away with a clear understanding of trauma theory, as well as the eight limbs of yoga. So it's not specific to a lineage that might be really heavy on yoga asana, which is the postures. It, it really is about integrating a mind-body-spirit integration. It's allowing 
allowing the people who are in the yoga teacher training to walk away with a sense of how to support someone who might be overwhelmed with triggers or stress and reacting or continually responding to a sense of trauma that might be holding in their body. And then the next part of your question was, what might someone look for if they were seeking a teacher who is offering a trauma-informed practice? And what I would say is, I I am starting to see there's a, a movement in, in yoga teachers that there is a need because, because we work with people as yoga teachers who are with people who are connecting with their bodies, there is always going to be times where something arises. It's like, Hmm, I'm not sure what's happening. And so I, I do see a lot of yoga teacher training starting to do more work and more offerings in, from a trauma informed or trauma sensitive lens. And so there's a lot of work, really beautiful work being done by Bessel van der Kolk and David Emerson out of the Trauma Center for Trauma-Sensitive Yoga in the U.S. And they have a lot of really beautiful teachings and books that are really about allowing people to connect with experiencing the present moment. These are really kind of the pillars of what a trauma-sensitive or trauma-informed practice entail. Experiencing the present moment, making choices, taking effective action, knowing that you have the ability to take effective action, and also creating rhythms. And so that I find that when we weave that into any of the eight limbs of yoga, whether it is a, a asana posture practice or a meditation or pranayama breath work, it's allowing us to really start to notice, okay, where, where can I make choice? And does this fit for me? Am I comfortable in my seat? How can I create rhythms? What length of breath do I want to inhale on? How much of an exhale? How can I take effective action if I need to stop? Will I allow myself to just say, hey, I've had enough? And can I notice when I'm in the present moment as I connect with my breath? That's really beautiful. It's really an empowering model that you are working to. And you mentioned earlier that yoga is this practice of life. So it sounds to me like all of these principles, these pillars are offering opportunities for people to take this knowledge that they develop, that they cultivate on their yoga mat, and then to apply it in their life generally. So the benefit is not just you know the time, the duration that you're actually in that class on that mat. It's what you take out the door by the sounds. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm nodding on this side <laughs> because that's exactly it. I think what what often happens is we often get caught in doings. So, okay, I'm going to go for a massage or I'm going to go to yoga, and we see it as that's my hour to take care of me. And yet, when we really tap into what's happening in that hour, it's what am I learning about myself that's really helping me stay present in this moment, feel connected, mind, body, spirit that could allow me to feel that same way when I'm in a difficult or challenging situation, when I'm having an uncomfortable conversation with a loved one, or when I'm just needing to find a moment of presence throughout my busy day. 
That's such an elegant gift and an elegant way of putting it. I think this is a really nice place to start to tie it together because by the sounds we could we could go deeper on what the chakra system is and probably exploring yeah. <laughs> this more, but perhaps that will be another conversation we can organize and the listeners can tune into. Yeah, I would love that. Let's do that. Yeah, let's let's organize it. And I guess for today, I just want to finish um, finish up our time together by letting the listeners know how they can connect with you. So you have a couple of Instagram um, sites. There is the trauma-informed yoga psychology where you share all things about your amazing yoga school and how people can connect in with the trainings you're actually offering. And my understanding is that you have a 200 hour that is coming up in February um, and a 300 in August. I guess just for those listeners who maybe haven't heard of, you know, this idea of 200 or 300, aren't sure what, what we're going on about there, would you mind just sharing about um, how yoga is, is regulated and how people can, you know, link in with your registered yoga school and what that means for them? Yeah, good question. So yeah, the, the trauma-informed yoga psychology school is accredited by the Yoga Alliance, which is a registration body that allows us to really ensure that the curriculum meets the standards of what a 200 hour, which is a foundational yoga teacher training needs to include. Um, And, and then once someone has their 200 hour foundational course, then there's an opportunity if, if you're feeling called to continue your yoga studies to do an advanced teacher training. And that's where a 300 hour yoga teacher training can come, come in. And yeah, so we're excited to be offering or 200 for the second time coming up. And then also really excited to be diving into a lot of the, the topics that we can take a lot deeper from a foundational kind of understanding and really be curious about everything that's going on energetically. And yeah, that's a whole other conversation too. But yeah, we have some beautiful faculty in the Trauma-Informed Yoga Psychology School who are they're experts and they are so wise in what they can offer. And yeah, if you're interested, I would love to connect. Yeah. I would love to connect. So So find me on Instagram or feel free to email me. Okay, perfect. And we can put your email address in the show notes if you're open to that. Um, Absolutely. Beautiful. And Melissa, I also wanted to highlight that you also can be found at Camor Counseling. So that's, you know, at the, um, the Instagram tag, as well as camorecounseling.com. And you'll be able to link in there both to the work you do therapeutically one-on-one, as well as your yoga school. Yeah. And to make that kind of explicit, that Camor Counseling is our private practice and business. So the trauma-informed yoga psychology school is a uh, a component of Canmore Counseling. So our Canmore Counseling Instagram is dedicated to a practice of self-love, self-care. So if you want little reminders throughout the day, we'd love to be followed and to, yeah, just know where you're at in your own practice of self-care and self-love. And that's such a reminder that we all need. And as we head into 2020, you know, a new decade, this might be a really beautiful opportunity for all of us to, you know, reach out and connect in with services, um, people, practices that will help us take care of ourselves. We know life is busy and, you know, a lot of us probably have that busy mind that you described for yourself as you were starting into your yoga practice. <laughs> so this is, I think, a great opportunity if this conversation and these practices are resonating with people to, to have a bit of to think about opportunities to connect. Yeah, nice. Thank you. 
Well, thank you so much for your time, Melissa. And I would love to connect again. I'm sure the listeners would love to hear more about all of the wonderful work you're doing and really just to tap into the knowledge you share, as well as perhaps reaching out via, you know, your trainings or social media and just getting in contact. That sounds wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. And I would love to be back. That will be great. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I'm looking forward to chatting with you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Caitlin. I hope you found this interview with Dr. J as supportive as I did. I love her focus on using yoga as a whole life practice beyond just an exercise routine. And I found her insight meditation to be particularly useful in terms of checking in with where things are at today. To support you accessing it, you'll find it in the show notes, drcaitlin.com. There you can just play it rather than going through the whole episode. Also, if you are a helper and you connected with Dr. J's trauma-sensitive yoga description, the training might appeal to you. Or if you have some trauma in your history and maybe you've been a bit nervous about trying a yoga class for any reason, hopefully this conversation might serve to offer you some guidance on what skills would be useful to look for in a teacher. Know that you can always ring up different studios and ask about their space and what the teachers are like. And if you ever try something and it doesn't resonate, know that you can keep exploring. Maybe even reach out to Dr. J or other trauma-sensitive yoga teacher schools and get a list of their graduates. And of course, check in with your individualized healthcare providers as they might have some ideas of practices and individuals that can support you on your own journey. Thank you so much for tuning in for this weekly wisdom. We'll be back next Wednesday. And not to spoil things, but we're going to be getting right to the heart of the acceptance and mindfulness movement. I'll be joined by the brilliant Stephen Hayes himself. Dr. Hayes is generally known as the founder of Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. He is a Nevada Foundation Professor of Psychology in the Behavior Analysis Program at the University of Nevada an author of 46 books and nearly 650 scientific articles. He's especially known for, as I kind of hinted, his work on acceptance and commitment therapy, or ACT, which is one of the most widely used and researched new methods of psychological intervention. Dr. Hayes has received several national awards, such as the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Association for Behavioral and Cognitive Therapy, and his popular book, Get Out of Your Mind and Into Your Life, is one of the best-selling self-help books in the United States. While his new book, A Liberated Mind, has been recently released to wide acclaim, and I can vouch for this, I read it or um, audibled it recently, and it's brilliant. His TEDx talks have been viewed by over half a million people, and he is ranked among the most cited psychologists in the world. So hopefully that will entice you to pop in those earbuds next Wednesday and join me for Dr. Hayes' interview. All right, bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. 
If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.